Hello and welcome to another episode of Author Conversations, presented by Arcadia Publishing in the History Press, and it's released on a special day, because we are just a few days out from the great American race, the Super Bowl of Motorsports, the Daytona 500. And before the track we all know now existed, racing already had a history on the beaches themselves in Daytona. Author Robert Rez's new book, Racing in Daytona Beach, takes us into the past to witness the great and sometimes tragic moments in motorsports history, both on the beach and at the track. Robert Red is a native Floridian with a long-time interest in history. He is a graduate of Stetson University with a degree in American Studies and is currently pursuing his MA in Public History. He is a member of the Florida Historical Society, the St. Augustine Historical Society, the Civil War Trust, and several other historical organizations. He is the past executive director of the New Smyrna Museum of History and currently works in the cultural arts field. This is Robert's fourth book with Arcadia Publishing. He lives south of the world's most famous beach with his wife, Christina, their dog, Finley, and their cat, Ignatius. Robert, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, of course. So let's start at the beginning, which is how did Daytona get its start? It wasn't at the Oval that we know now, was it? No. Um, the the racing actually began on the beach, uh, mostly to the to the north over in what is the Ormond Beach area, uh, with a lot of speed trials, um, various distances, uh, different types of cars, and uh, you know the goal was always to to push push themselves, push the car owner, push the driver, push the car. Um, and uh, at, at that time, you know, th those were, those men were superheroes. And I, I say men because that's who was driving the cars at that point. Uh, and, um, you know, over time, they, they just kept increasing speeds. Uh, the the beach course kind of would move around a little bit. Uh, it, it worked its way a little further south, then it would go back north. Uh, some of that would just be depending on the how the sands were. Yeah. Um, and um, and then you know e eventually there there became the uh, the beach and land racing course for the early Daytona races that we might recognize today. And that, that was over in uh, what is the Ponce Inlet area. And they would race on the beach and then turn and they would be on, I, I guess what now technically might be called A1A and they would race south to the end there and turn back onto the beach <laughs> and uh, made, made for some exciting racing. You know, you, that, that's, that's pretty tough to do dirt and, and asphalt. So, uh, there's some, some great racers then. Can you imagine going at speed from sand to asphalt and then from asphalt to sand, just that change in traction? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, that God, that would drive tire manufacturers crazy today. But, um, but yeah, and 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 how close the fans were to this too. It's um, you, you can't, you just can't even imagine doing it today. Yeah, and I'm sorry, you know, we're because we're talking about it, and sometimes we can go off on conversation. And I meant to bring the book upstairs with me to the office here to talk about it but when you know you're talking about these guys being superheroes and they were but also even you know you might have somebody in these early days who 
might have a car they're driving, but these cars were something else. And they're not your, you know, your normal car that would have been on the road in many cases. So if you had a driver that got injured and you needed to replace him, it was a tough bill to do to try to replace him. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of times these cars, some of them might not really be considered safe. They were somewhat experimental for the most part. Um, you know, you, you would be scrambling around, um, you know, maybe try and find a, a local, a local guy who might have a little bit of experience behind the wheel, but, but, um, you know, there were, there would be times where drivers would just turn down the opportunity. They thought the car was too dangerous or conditions weren't right. Yeah. And we'll get to more, uh, more modern tragedy a little bit later, but there were some tragedies that happened early on too on the beaches there in Daytona or I'm in beach. Yeah. Um, you know, it, no matter how good the, the beach might have looked, um, you know, if there were ruts in the sand, maybe, um, it would be, it would be real easy to catch a tire in one of those, maybe flip the car. Um, you know, safety was certainly not what it is today. Um, you know, they, they might be, might've been strapped in, but, um, you know, headgear protection was not what it is. Um, you know, they certainly didn't have something like the Hans device to, to keep your head and neck in, in a position. Um, you know, the, these speeds were just, they were increasing constantly. Um, you know, if driver just happened to lose, lose control a little bit, um, you know, they might, might put tires into water and that's a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, um, one instance where there was a, a gentleman on a motorcycle and, um, the, the driver clipped the motorcycle and, um, just, just some, some terrible images that, that are available, you know, photographers would be right there and, and, um, the, the state archives of Florida has some of those in, in their collection. And, um, some of those are in the book. I was uh, lucky. They, they allowed me to use those. And, um, you know, it just, it, it was a tough time. It absolutely was. Now these guys are the pioneers. Let's go to another type of pioneers. Let's, let's talk about some of the females that came into racing. Um, you know, people know the name, uh, Danica Patrick, yeah, uh, certainly. lately, uh, I remember seeing Shannon Robinson race um, back in the early two thousands. Yeah, um, as well too. You know, they they've paved the way for uppercomers like Haley Deegan, Natalie Decker's. Yeah. You know, up and coming too. Um, you know, I feel I feel like Danica Patrick held her own pretty well. I feel like she, you know, she she gets made fun of a lot. I feel like that's unfair. I feel like Ricky really. I feel like Ricky Stenhouse was always wrecking into her. To be honest with yeah. you. Um, yeah, me and my brother always have a thing where we just, uh, you know, we don't say the F word completely, but we always just go F in a stenhouse. If anything ever goes wrong in life, we always just go F in a stenhouse. Um, you know, <laughs> that's kind of our inside, you know, joking about NASCAR kind of thing. But yeah. you even, know, I, I, there, there's been a, a whole line of female race car drivers. Yeah, there, there have been quite a few. Um, you know, maybe maybe a name that that people might recognize would be uh, Janet Guthrie, of course. Um, you know, she was she kind of 
in some ways really was the the pioneer for for the the Danicas and some of the other up and coming women. Um, you know, uh, Janet raced both NASCAR and IndyCar. She also uh, did some other types of racing. Um, you know, she was the first woman to start in both the Indianapolis 500 and the Daytona 500. Yeah. And um, a few years ago, she pinned an autobiography that for some reason is a little bit difficult to find. I don't know why, but um, and, and she outlines just some of those struggles and some of the some of the sexism that, that she dealt with as she was coming through. And um you know, I, I tried to outline a little bit of that in the book. Um, you know, some of the some of the bigger names, uh, you know, they, they questioned whether she was really able, uh, whether a woman would be able to, to drive one of these cars. And, um, you know, what what I think she was able to do is she was able to, to bring people around and they were able to see that, you know, she didn't have great equipment by any means, but, um, you know, she would she would be competitive she would she would run as hard as she could and um you know she didn't let that that equipment issue phase her she she was always there um but just as with today you know she was running with an underfunded team they didn't have money research and development was was very difficult for them and um you know she she's one of those that if she were driving today she might have a much better career than what her numbers showed yeah there's a you know and it, 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 there's even a, a metal driver right now i have in my mind who i think is going to do better this year mm -hmm. in a better funded team um thinking about bubba wallace now the number, new number yeah. 23 team yep. um i'm which is yeah, it's going to be exciting to see that it's uh, kind of cool to see that car coming around see uh you know michael jordan's always somehow involved in sports but to see him involved in nascar um that's kind of exciting denny hamlin and michael jordan teamed up with that which is, is something i never really thought i would see <laughs> at all uh but i mean but he's you know been involved in uh motorcycles before but i, I you know i think you're absolutely right if she was you know around today absolutely she probably absolutely would have been given a shot um yes. yeah it's a it, it's just an exciting time with the sport uh let's get back though to the track itself so when does the track Ooh. actually come around who has the vision to say you know we need an asphalt track we need uh what would become this famous daytona racetrack well that that's gonna be uh bill france and uh the, the bill france senior um so the the track was under construction for, for several years. Uh, construction began in 57. Um, and um, at that point, they were still running the races out near Ponce Inlet. Uh, took a couple of years to complete. Uh, by February of 1959, uh, they, they started testing. And um, the first race was held the end of February 1959. Um, the, the attendance, uh, I, I just happened to have that here, was just under 42,000. Hmm. Uh, you know, you, you think of what what the sport can draw today. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, you know, 41,000 was certainly a respectable number back then. But, um, you know, 
that, that's a number that if they drew that today in a non-COVID era, era, they they would be they'd be in a world of trouble. I think. Yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah, the the track is just it, it's absolutely amazing. You 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 may see it on TV, you you see some photos of it, but until you're actually inside the track and you see the banking and you see just how large this track is um it, it it's just you, you can't imagine it without a visit there and i'm you know not not just plugging the speedway here but but it is truly for a race fan just something awe-inspiring the the banking is amazing and to imagine you know putting a car into that banking at 180 190 miles an hour uh it, it's truly mind-boggling yeah, you have to have the car going. How fast is I mean, the car has to be going a certain speed to be able to stick to those bankings. Yeah, I, and I don't know what that is, but you are correct, yeah. Yeah, I can look that up real quick. And while I'm looking it up, I'll just tell you, so my son's birthday is Saturday. Yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to fall on Daytona 500 weekend, no matter what. So I've been trying to convince my wife that we need to have every year just go on down to daytona 500 you know and make it as a team birthday party every year i don't see what the problem is that that would be that'd be awesome he'd love it you know you go hit the beach a little bit uh i i will tell you to the envy of some of our our northern friends uh yesterday when i was driving home it was 86 degrees so um you know the weather's usually pretty good um yeah we'd love to have you yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just trying to look at the you know, silver lining for everybody here. Uh, you know, I think he would enjoy that. Well, when I try to look at the searching, all I get is a lot of things about how did the drivers go to the bathroom. So I guess I'm not going to find it in a short amount of time. So we'll look at it later. You know, first person that finds it, let me know. Uh, I'm sure I'll find it later after I reword the search. But I'm not going to worry oh, about it too much right now. Um, so let me ask you this. Because it's yeah. a really cool thing in the book. If you plan a trip to one of the two races in Daytona, um, which, of course, the races have changed a little bit this year. Uh, hey, really cool the other night, too, to see the road course to open up Speedways. I thought that was neat yeah. um, in the Bush class, uh, clash. Yeah. Um, but if you plan a trip to see a race in Daytona, there's other historic racing sites to see around sure. the track. Um, can you tell us a, a couple of them? Yeah, um, you know, if you want to get away from the track, uh, one of the things if you're if you're over beachside, you, you've got to stop in at the Streamline Hotel, and uh, the, the Streamline is where Bill France Sr. and some drivers and car owners they really put together what is NASCAR now. Uh, that was upstairs at the at the bar there. Um, the streamline has undergone a, a really impressive renovation over the last few years. They've put several million dollars into it to, to upgrade it. Um, there's restaurant, there's, you know, the rooftop bar. It, it, it's really amazing. You, you definitely, as a race fan, it, it's, uh, if you're a NASCAR fan, it's almost like a Mecca in some ways, mm -hmm. you know, it, that's where it began. Um, you know, if, um, if if you're interested in in the beach beach to um, asphalt racing, uh, racing's North Turn Restaurant it, it's right at the the beach entrance and exit where 
the cars would come off the beach and onto land and they have a really impressive display there um during speed weeks they'll they'll oftentimes have have some of the beach drivers in they'll they'll have have events going on there um you know really nice people that own that and uh the food's really good too so um you know you know if, if you're into um like local racing uh new smyrna speedway is really good i i drive by that every day on the way to and from work and um so they have they've got races going on right now they they run races throughout the year but um right now it's every night they have things going on oh wow and, uh, yeah it's um you know if, if you get lucky you may catch one of the one of the name racers out there yeah. um you know it, it's uh Maybe, maybe not quite so much as might have happened in the past with the you know concerns about danger and everything. But uh, you know, Kyle Busch has raced there. Tony Stewart, of course. You know, yeah. Tony. He owns a place. You, know, you, you you slap wheels on anything, Tony will race it. So, uh, but um, you know, it, it's it's really a, a, a fun event for families. Um, you know, they they always try to keep price is reasonable that's one of the things when i've talked to people out there they stress is that you know they they want families to mm-hmm. come out they, they want people to have a good time uh they want them to come back yeah. so and that's where um, people i mean that's where racers get their start if you want to know how you break into racing that's how you do that oh starting out there you know i grew up in griffin georgia um just south of atlanta so uh, the, you know in hampton that's where the atlanta racetrack is Mm-hmm. Okay. Had, you know, Thursday night thunder is what they would have on Thursday nights with legend cars and things of that nature. And then you also had the Sonoa race or Sonoy raceway out there. So, you know, racing was big, you know, in that area too, of course. And that's, that's where you, that's where people get started at, you know, that's where, um, people would go and cut their teeth and travel from all over the place or either travel all the way down to, you know, from right up around that area, they would travel down to Phoenix, Alabama, outside of Columbus, uh, just a race, just to try to make it into something a little bit bigger, you know, try to make it even to the Arca series to try to get noticed. Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. You, that, that's one thing, you know, you, you, you don't start, you don't start in the trucks, you know, yeah. you've got to work your way up, you know, and, um, but, um, you know, there, there's no doubt that, um, that some of the big teams probably watch people out there, you know, but you've got to, you have to start somewhere and, um, and it's, it's big money to get into, of course, but, um, you know, there's, there's, there's always people at this track, um, you know, and um, there, there's a quote, and I don't have it in front of me, but uh, uh, a driver once said, if you can win at New Smyrna, you can win anywhere. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that's probably true for just about any of these uh, what might be called local tracks. Um, you know, you, you've got to be good to win, win at any of them. So yeah. um, one other place to yeah, one other place people might think of um, if you're if you're a little north over in the Ormond Beach area, uh, there's a um, the birthplace of Speed Park, and there's a a, a miniature uh, reproduction of the Ormond Garage, and the Ormond Garage was um, originally owned by Henry Flagler, 
and uh, that was where all the beach racers, the speed, the time trial racers would go to work on their cars. Um, and kind of a funny story, uh, Flagler also owned the Ormond Hotel. Wow. And, and he built the Ormond Garage. Of course he did. <laughs> for, so that these drivers wouldn't be working on their cars on his hotel property. So, um, you know, but ever the opportunist, you know, he was he was getting extra money out of them that way. But, um, you know, unfortunately, they the original burned down uh, in the mid 70s, I believe it was. And uh, but, uh, you know, there's a, a smaller reproduction of it at the, the birthplace of Speed Park. And that's that's just right at the corner of uh, State Road 40 and A1A. It's right at a, at a beach entrance. Uh, there's a lot of parking right around there. Uh, it's free to walk around. There's no charge. So, um, you know, just something interesting for, for somebody who's who's looking for some other racing history yeah. in the area. You know, and I, I, you know, we got more stuff to talk about, too. But th- also, I want to reach out to people who might be listening and thinking racing might not be for them. And it's not for everybody. I, I get that. But I'll tell you what hooked me was when I went to my first race. And we were sitting near the start finish line, kind of, you know, kind of center because you could see the whole racetrack from where we were sitting at. And I was kind of, you know, I had gotten tickets for my brother to take him because he was kind of the real big race fan. And I was just thinking, well, let me suffer through this for five hours. But when we, (laughs) when we came out and I saw all them cars lined up and wow, they looked great, (laughs) you know, all shiny, different paint schemes and everything. And you feel them fire up. And you're just, you know, you feel it in your chest when they fire up. And then, of course, they come by and you're like, wow, that's really, you know, fun. And then they go by at full speed. It's a whole different experience. But then when you're listening on the radios and all this kind of everything else and you start to learn that it's not just turning left and turning left. And, of course, there's road short courses, but everybody makes a funny joke, you know. And, yeah, you hear it a million times. It's funny every single time. Not really. But yeah, exactly. uh, it's more than that. It's about camber it's about adjusting how your car grips how how, how the, you got to adjust the angle of the tires to get onto the walls of the track or onto the the way the angle is at the track there's all of this mathematical equations that go into it how much gas are you going to need do you have enough gas to make it how's your brakes doing uh all these technical aspects and if you were into that you love you would love racing you would love um, NASCAR, and there's all these storylines too. If you love drama, there's that in NASCAR. There's oh, that absolutely. a plenty, especially if the Bush brothers are involved. You're gonna get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing like listening to a crowd if Kyle Bush happens to win and he takes his bow. That's yeah, <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, over the past few years, I kind of started to like Bush a little bit. I'm like, you know what? I think it's. Be- I think I didn't like him because I'm kind of like him. I'm starting to realize that now. <laughs> One thing with him, I, I think he is. In all seriousness, I think he's really underappreciated yeah. in what he has been able to accomplish. I mean, you know, everybody says, "Oh, well, Richard Petty won 200, and and Kyle's winning them in the trucks, and he's winning them in 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 Bush, and and it's not all at the, at the top level." But but people are forgetting. Richard Petty was racing 50, 60 times every year. He was, he was not always, you know, they, they were not always the top, top of the line racers mm. he was running against. I mean, and that's taking nothing away from the King because I, I mean, if there's, 
if there's an ambassador for for the sport of NASCAR, it's Richard Petty. And um, but but I think I think maybe once Kyle retires, whenever that may be, I think people will be able to look back, maybe um, reappraise what he has done. And uh, same thing you know, happened for Tony Stewart too. A lot of Tony Stewart oh, haters became Tony Stewart fans when he retired. You know, like hearing from him. And with Jeff yeah. Gordon on Fox, people love hearing Jeff Gordon's commentary on Fox now. They weren't yeah. necessarily Jeff Gordon fans when he was racing. No, absolutely correct. And uh, you know, I was uh, I was actually taking a look earlier today at the at the lineups for the for the races tonight, and uh, I was amazed at how many names I did not recognize. <laughs> but but you know that's that's great for the fans though you know you're you're bringing it it's great for the sport you're bringing in all these new people and and you know okay jimmy johnson has retired and we all know what he did in his mm. career but um you know the, these young guys and even the ones who are already somewhat established you know a chase elliott you know these are exciting people to watch the, these are you know, these these are going to be the the future yeah. Jeff Gordon's. Yeah, so it looks like Rick Hendrick has reloaded again. Yeah, <laughs> with Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott. I mean, goodness. Yeah. So you know, speaking of Jimmy Johnson, that's my one pick. My one bone I got to pick with you because you have a whole chapter on the best, the best, and you talk about Richard <laughs> Petty and Dale Earnhardt, and you didn't include my boy Jimmy, which is that's another conversation for another time. You know, I, I will tell you, and I, I will not throw an editor's name on the bus. Um, because he's actually a very good guy. You know, I can um, just go find out who the editor was, and I'll like. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, in, in some ways, we we kind of just ran out of space, unfortunately. And it was, you know, well, what do we what do we want to include? But but yeah, there, there's absolutely no doubt. Jimmy Johnson is is certainly one of the all time top drivers. There. You know, you, you, I don't think there's any argument about that. You don't win seven championships and not be considered that. Yeah, absolutely. But when you talked about Dale and Hurt, that's one of the things where the day the race, because we're at 20 years now. Yes. So the day the racing world lost Dale Earnhardt Sr., that's one of those days where if you're a racing fan, you remember where you were. And, you know, there are still those black flags with the silver three outlined in red at every racetrack. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, there's people who are new to racing who know about Daryl Earnhardt 20 years afterwards, and they become a fan of him posthumously. So what was it about Daryl Earnhardt that still gets some new fans 20 years later? You know, it's it's amazing. I mean, obviously his success, There, there's no doubt. Um, you know, most fans love a winner, and, uh, and, and Dale was a winner just constantly. Um, so, so that's certainly part of it. I, I think, I, I think that, um, that swagger he had, um, you know, he, he wasn't one to, to put up with anything on, on a racetrack. Um, you know, he, he would, he would move you out of the way if he needed to, you know, if he thought you were just holding him up, um, you know, you don't earn the nickname, the intimidator just out of nowhere, um, probably just that black car that everybody really remembers towards the end of his career. Um, you know, that, that certainly may have played a part in it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say exactly what drew people to him. Um, 
you know, certainly, certainly his attitude, I think, would have played a lot in that, mm -hmm. um, you know. But he also, you know, we, we, we talked about Jimmy Johnson and, and uh, you know, maybe a Jeff Gordon and some of these other, these, uh, the newer drivers who aren't in, in the old school NASCAR mode, so to speak. And, uh, you know, maybe that was part of it. You know, he, he sort of fit the bill of, of what they expected of a NASCAR driver. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of these others, you know, they, you know, might, might call them Northerners or Yankees, or I, I don't know what they might call them, but you know, he, he kind of fits maybe what they were looking for, what they wanted. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's why Chase is getting such a following right now too, so because yeah. he, he kind of he he definitely has his dad's qualities in him, but he also is different enough from his dad to kind of have those rough edges. Yeah, that you would have seen like in Adele Earnhardt in some of the mm -hmm. other old school racers too. Yeah, where he's trying to make his own way. I mean, he knows his. You know, he's his daddy's son, but he also is trying to pave his own path. Sure. Yeah. And, and there's there's no doubt, um, you know, from from Dale Earnhardt, Inc., there, there's just that marketing aspect, too. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's hugely successful, as you pointed out, even 20 years later, um, you know, and, and companies companies would like that. And and. Um, you know, it it just it worked out well for him. It was just a it was a real tragedy for NASCAR that Sunday, and um, you know, one one that I, I think probably took the the NASCAR community quite a while to recover from. And, yeah. and for some fans, it's still still very fresh. Um, I think if I remember correctly, I was watching it on TV actually, and I, I can remember Daryl Waltrip. <laughs> saying something along the lines of, you know, he, he hoped Dale was okay. I can't remember. Yeah, he was crying because Michael, Michael won the, Michael yeah. Waltrip, his brother won the race and he's say, and he's celebrating. And then he says, I hope Dale's okay. Yeah. It's so, um, but you know, those are, those are moments in sports though, that people remember. And then that's part of, I think maybe part of the overall appeal of NASCAR. Yeah. Well, I remember he crashes. He doesn't get out. You see Kenny Schrader walk over to his car, and then immediately, and he's driving the number 36 M&M's car at the time. Yeah. He goes over to his car and immediately turns around and walks away. And yeah. he gives a really curt, short interview about it. He says, I just walked away and let the professionals handle it. That's all he says and walks away. And I remember my brother Drew looks at me. He said, that's not good. Yeah. You know, I've got goosebumps thinking about it right now because you know yeah, you knew somebody it, was um, it was the end of someone's life right there. Oh, absolutely! And you know the the hospital where they take yeah drivers too. I mean, you know, you can almost throw a rock from the stadium and hit the hospital. It's so close, and uh, but you know, just the the one thing I will say that probably has come out of that though, and uh, NASCAR really should be recognized for it i think is is the concern they show for drivers um you know the advances in safety in the last 20 years um you know unfortunately it didn't save save dale but it saved ryan newman last year oh, oh god absolutely i've i i can't even believe he's back in a car that's amazing to me yeah i mean i had this that same feeling watching that 
what was it on a Tuesday or Monday last year? Because they had to keep canceling it and pushing the yeah. race back. Oh man, I, I, your heart just sinks down to your stomach when you watch that wreck. Oh yeah, that was a that was absolutely terrible. And um, I've, you know, I, I just can't believe he's back in a car. But but I'm also not a race car driver either, so I don't have that mentality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was that Ernie Irvin who walked away from it so i think it was ernie irvin yeah texaco yeah. yeah yep well uh time's winding down but finally tonight's the duels and this weekend's the race itself so i was going to ask if you had a driver that you think would take the checker flag you can answer that if you want or you can say this do you think it's going to be a veteran driver or do you think like we've seen in some of the years past it's going to be a driver get their first win at the 500 you know it, it's the the fun anytime you're at one of these super speedways it's just so weird you know if you're in the if you can just stay up front a little bit and, and um you know you never know what's going to happen i'll i'll throw out a name for you though i'll I, i'm gonna go with chase elliott I, I think he has proven himself i think you know i, I think in that hendrix car uh, i think he'll be good yeah i well, think he'll be good I'm gonna go with Chase because that's my guy. So okay, I, I, that's not why I chose him, but I, I think you know I, I think some smart money would be on him. But yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a a lot of good stories for this year. You know, a lot of rookies are are at least you know could potentially make the field. You know, you never know who who might take that. Well, and, and you know, one of the the great things of winning that race, you you get your name on the on the trophy and you get your, your, uh, your handprints made outside that are that stay outside the, the speedway. So, uh, you're immortalized forever. Right. That's, that's so cool. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. Oh yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy the race this weekend and, uh, I hope, I hope we get a green flag race that doesn't get postponed till Monday. That would be, that would be good. Yeah. Absolutely. You and I both have to work. So. Yep. All right. Hey, thanks again, man. And thank you, the audience for listening. Racing in Daytona Beach is available now on ArcadiaPublishing.com and wherever local books are sold. And if you have a show suggestion or an author you'd like me to interview, reach out to me at ArcadiaAuthorConversations at gmail.com. And as always, I want to thank Jay and Bill's Unnamed Band Project for the show's theme song. You can find them by searching for Jay and Bill's Unnamed Project on Facebook and on Instagram. And I'll speak with you again soon. <laughs>